Welcome to the Great Loop Radio podcast, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo, the director of AGLCA. Today we are going to give you one of the ideas on things that you might do as a side trip as people are waiting for the locks to open this year. There might be some extra time on the Great Lakes. So we have brought in um, the Herveys and they will tell us about their side trip on Lake Superior, which is uh, one, not a whole lot of loopers spend a lot of time there. Um, some will stick their toe kind of through the locks and into Lake Superior so they can have done all five Great Lakes. Um, but Mike and Deb have explored it more extensively and they're gonna share their thoughts on that topic. Before I bring them into the conversation officially, I wanna take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes and Associates, Great Loop Yacht Sales, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners and viewers to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And now I'd like to officially welcome Mike and Deb to Great Loop Radio. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah, and, and uh, for those of you who don't know Mike and Deb, they've been looping for a while. Um, they are taking their time. They are doing lots and lots of side trips, and they're actually coming to us today from Maine. You're doing the, the Down East Loop this summer. Is that right? Well, actually, yeah. we're in Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. Okay. So, yes, we're up north where it's nice and cool. Yes. Unlike the rest of us here in Alabama, it's a little toasty, <laughs> but that's okay. We're, we're kind of used to it in the South, but um, yeah. So I kind of gave a little bit about kind of your MO on your looping, but tell us about the two of you and your loop and tell us about the boat you're aboard. Okay. Well, um, we're high school sweethearts and um, grew up in Northwest Illinois uh, boating on the Mississippi. So I probably took the tiller on our small family bass boat somewhere around 10 to 12 years old. And um, and then my parents bought a sailboat when I was 14. And uh, Mike was a frequent uh, passenger <laughs> on oh, the very county. <laughs> so he started mm -hmm. his boating experience when he was 15. So do all the math. We've got 92 years combined experience. Wow. Amazing. So we bought our own um, our 25-foot shell draft sailboat in uh, 85, and then in 94, we moved up to 35 and a half-foot sailboat, um, made the jump so that we could get across Lake Michigan in daylight hours. Um, we had our daughter was coming along, and so we didn't want to be sailing overnight with a baby. And um, so then we moved to, uh, Mike had an opportunity for a job on Long Island, New York. And so we moved both our household and the boat and our new home port then was Greenport, Long Island. So Beautiful before there. we started the loop, we had rivers, great lakes and ocean boating experience, which set us up very nicely um, for doing that. So our plan was to we were at 55. We didn't quite make that, but um, we bought the boat in 2014. We decided we wanted a trawler for doing the loop. And then we, um, and it's a Grand Banks 42 Europa, uh, 46 feet overall. And like most people that do the loop, we think it's the perfect boat <laughs> for doing the loop. Yeah. 
And, yeah. and as I said, you've kind of taken your time doing the loop, um, done lots of side trips. Um, you know, tell us why that is your, the best style of looping that works for you. Well, um, we did, we, we left with the house on the market and started in June of 2016. And because we spent the first half, half of our careers, lakes, we knew we wanted to get back and spend time hitting all of our favorites, plus all the places we never got to on a two-week vacation time frame. Mm -hmm. And so um, we also, at the time we bought the boat, we bought a condo in Florida. Um, we decided um, we needed a place for our daughter to come home to. So we pretty much had decided because we wanted to spend extended time in the Great Lakes, we would cruise from May to late September, early October, and then head back to Florida for the winter months, which is then when we also became the harbor host for Fort Myers. Yes. Um, so um, that being said, we ended our first season, we left in June, and we ended in um, late September in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. Um, and that was just, we needed some work done, and it was a nice place for stepping back off back to the North Channel and to get up to, you know, Lake Superior. So in 2017 is when we made our first foray into Lake Superior. We were working around a couple of rendezvous for organizations we belong to. And um, so we, uh, and what made us decide to do Lake Superior even, we could, we could have gone back and just spent summers in, in, in um, the North Channel for that matter, but yeah. we had trailed that 25 foot first uh, sailboat, we had trailered it up to uh, the Apostle Islands and spent almost three weeks and loved it, but didn't get to see, you know, on 25 foot boat, we just couldn't get the distances to see the rest of it. And mm -hmm. so we had always wanted to go back and really explore Lake Superior. Yeah. So for loopers who are doing, you know, a little bit of a traditional loop route. So they would either be coming, you know, Lake Huron, um, if they've just gone through the Erie Canal, uh, most are going through Canada and kind of coming, um, you know, out of the Trent Severin, out of the North Channel and Georgian Bay into Lake Huron. So that's kind of the point where, regardless of how you've made your way to that point, loopers are coming through the, you know, the top of Michigan through Lake Huron. So tell us from that point, where, you know, how much of a side trip is this if you're just going to enter Lake Superior? We know you can spend a whole summer there, um, but what's kind of the route that people would take to diverge from the the main Great Loop route and head for Lake Superior? I would probably, as I'm coming through, I would get be in the, the North Channel and head, work out your way through a few islands up to the northern tier of the North Channel. And then there's a fairly large island on the western end called St. Joseph Island. And you would follow the channel across the north of shore of that island. And that'll bring you right into the St. Mary's River where you would take a right and head north. Um, and the St. Mary's River coming kind of backtracking your other angle is just to shoot across the south end of the North Channel to Drummond Island or um, Little Detour and go up. And I think the distance then from Detour up to Sault Ste. Marie is oh, 60 miles. 60 miles. Okay. So, yeah. So, if you were somebody that was staying just in the U.S., you can, of course, still make it to Lake Superior, and that's yeah. the way that you would go from that point. So, yeah. um, I hear a lot about the the locks at the Sioux, Sault Ste. Marie. Um, 
what should we know about those locks? I know there's an American lock and a Canadian lock, if I'm, I'm remembering correctly, but I've never been to Lake Superior. So fill us in on what those locks are like. Okay, so the American side is where all of the big Lakers, you know, most of them are 900 to over 1,000 feet. A pleasure craft can lock through those. They will lock you through, but you're going to go in between, you know, just as on the rivers, commercial traffic takes priority. Mm -hmm. And to handle a thousand foot ship, I have no idea how high they are, but it's multiple stories. So the walls are much higher than what you would need for your pleasure craft. Okay. So we recommend, whereas the Canadian lock is the, was the original lock on the Canadian side of what you're doing is you're locking around um, the falls of the St. Mary's as, as Lake Superior falls out into St. Mary's River. So you, mm -hmm. you're, you're doing just, and mainly it's not even falls, it's rapids. So you're okay. going to, you're raising 21 feet to get into Lake Superior. And that Canadian lock was actually the first lock. It was one of the, it was the first to have electricity and a lot of other interesting things. But its walls are much lower, very similar to what you'd find in one of the other Canadian canal lock um, systems. So we recommend staying on the American side. Go, walking up, there's a great observation platform, a great museum that explains the lock. Watch one of the big ships because they are going 24-7 through there. You won't wait long at all to be able to watch a, sh a ship locking okay. through. Mm -hmm. Then head over to the Canadian Canal. As long as all you're doing is transiting that canal, then you don't have any um, check-in with Canadian authorities. You just transit the canal. And then you kind of have the opportunity to do what the tour boat does, basically stick your nose up there and go five miles in, turn around and come back. Or there's a harbor of refuge, Whitefish Bay, about 38 miles from the lock. And you could go into there. It is mm -hmm. a harbor of refuge. It has very rustic docks and a, a set channel and the rest of it is shoal. So there's really no place to anchor. Okay. Um, and what's nice about that, um, harbor is it's about a half a mile, three quarters of a mile walk to the shipwreck museum. Nice. Some people wouldn't necessarily want to see things about shipwrecks, <laughs> but on the other hand, it's got everything you want to know about the Edmund Fitzgerald and all the rest of the um, shipwrecks and a nice historic uh, <clears throat> building related to lighthouse keepers and that sort of thing as well. So <clears throat> that would be your option for if you just want to peek in and come back back out again yeah so deb one thing i want to ask and, and either you or mike can answer this but you mentioned harbors of refuge um and for those who are maybe new to this or not not great lake boaters where you don't hear that phrase quite as often um tell us what you mean when you're telling us it's a harbor of refuge well uh, like unlike the rest of michigan that has good close harbors of refuge along lake michigan uh, lake superior does not uh except for this one occasion uh, and that's because otherwise, I think the stretch between Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario and uh, Grand Marais is 70 some miles. Uh, and so uh, that's just out there on, a, on the point of Whitefish Point and uh, is, it's available certainly. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's a harbor of refuge, it's, it's basic amenity. Mm -hmm. um, you may have a dock, you may not, and most likely the dock will not have power. There is one dock with 15 amp service, but it's, it, but it's it's protected from all directions of wind. It's got 360 protection. So yes. that's what it is. You need to get off the lake, then it's a place you can go and you'll be safe. 
perfect. Now, um, like I, any, um, most of the, well, all of the side trips on the Great Loop, once you kind of diverge from the main route, um, you do a side trip, you usually have to backtrack. So with Lake Superior, perhaps you might not have to backtrack if you wanted to do both, you know, kind of the southern and the northern shore. But I understand that the northern shore is pretty remote. So from kind of a very big overview, tell us what your route was in terms of North Shore, South Shore. You know, how far did you go? Just kind of the thousand foot level. So we did three different three different trips. Okay. Um, and I probably recommend the first one for if you just want a taste of Lake Superior, and that would be to follow the South Shore. Um, mm -hmm. You do have um, one long 80-mile day to get to the next harbor. It's Grand Marais, Michigan. Um, there is not a marina. It's a town wall that can hold about five 40-foot boats, but they also have an, there's room to anchor there as well. Um, not a lot to see. It's just a spot to stop. The next but Munising is where you're headed for. That's a municipal marina with docks and the standard uh, facilities. In fact, they added a fuel dock in 2019, I think it was. Mm -hmm. So the, the thing about what you do with Munising is you take the pictured rock tour because you can go past the pictured rocks and yes, you will see the coloring, but you won't know what you're looking at or why this strata is green and the next one's, you know, yellow or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we highly recommend, and plus you'll never take your boat as close as those tour boats are going to go <laughs> to the, right. you know, up to the rocks. And it's mm -hmm. definitely worth it. I mean, they are just, it's amazing what, you know, nature can do. Um, and so yeah. at that point, so that's, that's about, let's see, 80 and another that's about 140 miles to do that mm -hmm. so for a lot of people that's going to be you know a big trip right and actually a lot of loopers that i have spoken to that's kind of was their turnaround point um you know kind of the, the highlight is seeing those painted rocks and then turning around and heading back right. towards lake huron um did you explore further than that though on any of your yeah. three trips so then the, the next trip was that same year after we attended a rendezvous in uh, Mackinac, we went back and we did the Northeast and North Shore about somewhere between the third and a half way across. There are no, I should say there are no marinas. There are no marinas that um, can handle uh, depths more than two feet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you get almost all the way across to Thunder Bay. So it is all um, anchorages, but gorgeous, natural, um, and if you go that route, um, Batuana Island would be your first place to go. And I, our travel distances were usually somewhere between 30 to 45 miles in this stretch because mm -hmm. we wanted enough time to be able to get someplace and maybe take the dinghy ashore or do some dinghy exploration and then maybe get and go to the next place the next, next day. Right. So we did about a half day travel day. So from Batuana, then the next um, port is Sinclair Cove. Sinclair Cove is interesting. If you do the museums in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, you'll hear about this big um, Indian voyage that happened periodically, and it's recorded in pictographs on the walls, and they, and they are, you know, seven, eight hundred years or more old, and they have survived all those vicious uh, superior <laughs> winters and they're still there for you to get to now it's a rugged hike and you 
have to go out on a rock ledge to see them, but it's it's just something you'll never see, you know, anywhere else. So that's kind of a, a point. If you were going to go just a little bit, you'd go to Sinclair Cove and then go back. Um, continuing on, there's a couple more great harbors. Um, Gargantua Bay is a fairly large. Um, it could have hold at least probably 10 boats an acre, probably even more. It sits, um, it surrounds some, some primitive campgrounds in the provincial park. So there's trails. So you'll still see kayakers and hikers um, in that anchorage, but that's probably the last one you're going to see anybody. Um, and that's, so, that's where the cell service quits. Yeah. Okay, that was actually going to be one of my questions because I've heard that much of the North Shore, yeah. there is no cell coverage. It's, it's almost like the northern version of being at um, the Dry Tortugas. Yeah, and no VHF radio, so no um, Coast Guard weather at this point. And Michael, mm -hmm. we'll talk a little about later about the technical options because of that. Okay. Um, then the next one is probably our all-time favorite um, harbor in the, the lake, and that's Pilot Cove. And that's basically a one-boat cove. Um, you come in through a tiny opening, and you're, again, you're 360 protection for wind of any direction. And in all these harbors, well, from Sinclair Cove on, you're in the provincial park. The water is clear. In Pilot Cove, you could see 30 feet down. You've still got logs from logging operation from hundreds of years ago. You always know where your anchor is, if it got set or not. Um, and that way, it's also light beam. And you see this picture in Pilot Cove, except for the fact that you've got fir trees behind you, you would think you were in some Bohemian water somewhere. Yeah, um, amazing. And then the last one we went to was Otter Cove. Again, it was great. It was a, a, a bay that went back inland quite a bit. Um, and there's um, some dinghy exploration to do, an island with a lighthouse that you can hike. But that's where we said, we were hiking and all of a sudden Mike says, you know what, we're not going to go to the lighthouse because the trail's getting too rugged. And if something happens, especially to me, you'll never get me back on the boat, right. let alone down to the dinghy. So at that point, we said, you know what, we've seen it. It's beautiful. I mean, you are right up. The, the mountains rise right out of the water. Um, you know, it's a little bit like if anybody's gone up to Tennessee to Teleco Lake. It's a little bit like but even more that you're like almost right in the mountains mm -hmm. um and then when we came back <clears throat> there's an island that sits out in the lake called Michipacoten and we headed there a couple reasons the weather was getting a little iffy and um it was also a bit of a short even though we went out into the lake and so we ended up being having a gale and being there for three three nights it's an old fish camp um and so there you can get dinghy ashore and have some place to stretch your legs and you will see um most likely see wildlife and there's the shipwreck in there that you can you know take over with your dinghy as i said the water is so clear that wherever there's a shipwreck you will be able to see it just wow. from over your dinghy yeah so that's all the further we went there and then we backtracked and we pretty much hit the same places originally we thought we might you know leapfrog over so many but there really was no way to do that without spending really long, long days and having to extend your time. It's important. We, we turned around in part because we were about half through our fuel at that point, and there's no place to fuel up there. Right. So you have to be able to go about 450 miles and be comfortable with your fuel situation to get all the way over to Thunder Bay. 
Uh, there's just not any fueling opportunity up on the North Shore. Right. And I want to kind of go ahead. go ahead, Deb. Now, I was going to say, for people who like remote and love anchoring, then I would say go for it. For people who like anchoring just every once in a while and certainly don't want to be in contact with folks, then the North Shore is not going to be for you and you want to stick to the South Shore, which we'll talk about just a little and bit And after more. that hiking experience, then we remembered that we needed to take our little Garmin inReach device with us no matter when we got off the boat. So if we needed to call for help, we could. Because VHF yeah. wasn't going to do it at that point. So before we kind of wrap up the North Shore, how many days was your, your you know, the out and back on your, your North Shore cruise? Thing on here. How was many 15 days. Uh, we didn't see a we didn't see another boat except for a fishing boat that entire time. Um, so how um you know from a cruise planning standpoint um you may have a plan and the plan may have been fifteen it may have been more or less but um I think you know where I'm going with this you know you have to have enough you have to be self sufficient for that time frame because of the remoteness. Um, so how did you plan that? You know, how much food did you bring? How, you know, your water is, of course, what you can carry with you. Um, you know, what, it, it's a pretty different style of cruising than most of the loop where you're jumping from port to port where there are always yeah. facilities. Well, it's interesting with water. Uh, we carry about about two weeks worth of water. Of course, 15 days is more than two weeks. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had spoken with one of the provincial park um Rangers. Uh, Rangers there about the possibility of rewatering along the way, and her advice was not close to shore, not many streams, but when you're out offshore, just rewater, uh, take water out of the lake from more than two mm-hmm. feet down, and so that's what we did. We filled our tanks from uh, using our normally would be our uh, our anchor washdown pump. Uh, wow. While on the way, we refilled our tanks uh, and and lived through it. So uh, I guess that was fine. The reason they want to go deeper is certain uh, uh, excrement from certain animals floats on the top and has bacteria in it. So anything that's not on the top water is fine. And we had also had a um, presentation with one of the organizations we belong to in Killarney, and he's the water tester for the province, all in the Georgian Bay area. And all the towns take from Georgian Bay. And mm-hmm. treat it just simply with, you know, whatever many parts um, Clorox bleached uh, that are required. But he said in 20 years, there's never been a failure of a water test out of the water there. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. So, so, so we just rewatered out of there. And we, we always carry more food than we need anyway. Yeah. So uh, um, that wasn't an issue. Yeah. We have a grill on board like a lot of other people. And so, um, and in Sault Ste. Marie, Canada, um, just across the parking lot is a mall, and far into that mall is a super Walmart. So you can stock up and provision um, as right. much as you need. We we do tend to carry um, shelf stable milk uh, mm-hmm. on board. You know, we bring whatever we can fresh, but when that runs out, then we switch to the Parmalat or whatever. Okay. Um, but the water is the key thing. You can just, it is so clear. You just take from there. Like I said, definitely a different style of cruising on the North shore and, and not for the faint of heart, probably not for a lot of loopers, um, but an amazing experience. Let's take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. Um, When we come back, I know you had a little bit more to say about the South shore, which is more commonly visited by pleasure craft. And I want to talk about, you know, some of the challenges that you might face on Lake Superior. So um, we'll be back in a moment. 
Port of Aurelia in Ontario, Canada is at the center of your Canadian boater fun and the place you want to stop between the Trent and Severn waterway system to provision or simply enjoy this sunshine city where the weatherman is most often wrong. Whether it's dining, theater, casino, or museums you're after, we have it all. And we're the last chance before Georgian Bay for great city fun. At Port of Aurelia, we have everything you need. Let our friend John Heenan at SkyMed explain to you why your health insurance does not pay or only pays for a small portion of emergency medical travel transport. Say you're on the loop in Canada and have Medicare. You must get back to the USA to be covered once you are stabilized. That also is true for the Bahamas. No worries, SkyMed pays for transportation to your home hospital by a private medical jet, helicopter, or other means that can keep you stable until you reach the destination from anywhere in the world. Pets with you? They go home with you. What about your boat? Call John Heenan for more information at 954-520-4553. We're back on the Great Loop Radio podcast. My, let me start that again. <laughs> We're back on the Great Loop Radio podcast. My guests today are Mike and Deb Hervey. They are filling us in on their multiple trips to Lake Superior. Um, as many of you who are out there cruising the loop right now know, the there are some lot closures on the Illinois Waterway that is going to prevent this year's group of loopers from leaving the Great Lakes until um, roughly October 1st. So while there's some extra time perhaps on the lakes, this is a, an opportunity to take a great side trip um, to Lake Superior. So Mike and Deb, you know, tell us, entice us, if you will, for those who may have a few extra weeks or even a month uh, to spend up in those northern parts of, of the route. Why should they head for Lake Superior? So um, it's it's just the air is just so pure up there and the scenery all along the shoreline is is so pretty. And so we left you with that first foray where we just went over to Munising so we could do the pictured rock tour. Mm -hmm. In 2018, we went back and we went clear across on the U.S. side. And so for Munising, your next stop is Marquette, um, Michigan, which is an old um, iron ore transfer uh, town. And uh, it's interesting to see a lot of great eateries, a wonderful marina with great staff and great facility. So um, it's well worth the, the stop in there. From there, you would go to probably through the canal that's at the base of the Keweenaw Peninsula. You have um, Hancock on the north and Houghton on the south. So it's called the Houghton Hancock Canal. Um, Hancock has power, it's a wall, and uh, Houghton does not. You just mm -hmm. stay on the wall, it's free. free. So not too bad. From there, we went up the west side of the Keweenaw Peninsula to Copper Harbor, and that's because we wanted to get to Isle Royale, and that was the, the best stepping off point. Copper Harbor has a marina run by the state park system. Again, relatively new docks, very um, nice shower and bathroom facilities, and a, a nice staff there as well. It's about, it's a little over a mile walk into town. Um, you got to get uphill to get to the road, and then from there, it's a relatively level walk. Mm -hmm. um, then from Copper Harbor, we went over to Isle Royale, um, where we spent um, time in three different of the, the harbors there. We went to Rock Harbor first, which is where the National Park Service's main offices are, and it's a full marina uh, with power. 
facilities are typical kind of state park. You know, they're not totally rustic, flush toilets and stuff, but, you know, painted cement floors, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, from, from Rock Harbor, we went to Malone Bay. Uh, there is a couple of docks for small boats. I would say most looper uh, boats, typical looper boats, uh, would be anchoring out there, but there's plenty of room um, for multiple boats. That's where we saw our moose. Yes. Uh, the, really? The moose pretty much, yeah, they, that's mm -hmm. their watering hole. And there's the island out of each of these um, marinas and harbors, there's multiple trails, all well marked, all stating how long um, each one is. Most of them are um, very uh, easy uh, mm -hmm. scale. So you can get in and see the wildlife and flower, wildflowers galore, um, inland lakes on the island. And so uh, just a lot to do. You just don't drop anchor and you're sitting there. Um, mm -hmm. The last stop was Windigo, which is on the south end of the island. There is a uh, wharf that can hold a couple of boats and, again, a couple of really nice, nice trails. And they also both the Rock Harbor, where the offices are, and Indigo do uh, presentations probably three to four nights a week on, on different topics that you can catch. Then from Indigo, we went over to Grand Marais. Now, remember, we were in Grand Marais, Michigan. Now we're in Grand Marais, Minnesota. Okay. Uh, and it's a um, kind of a town people stop as they're moving up into the, um, to do canoeing and hiking. Um, just over, in, I don't know why am I drawing a blank here, in Eli, Minnesota, it's a big canoeing um, area. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but again, grocery store, so you can get reprovisioned because <laughs> otherwise you haven't been able to provision along right. this, this path. Um, from there, we went to Bayfield, Wisconsin, which is the stepping off point for the Apostle Island National Lakeshore, which is named because there's 12 islands, a couple little ones. Um, again, the islands, um, the biggest Madeline has a marina. The rest of them, it's going to be anchorages. And the anchorages normally only provide one or possibly two directions of protection. So you pick one is going to work for the way the wind's going to go that night. And unfortunately, depending on the weather, you may not sleep real well because you might have to get up and go someplace else. Um, there are some that are better than others. Um, I would recommend Stockton Island has a gorgeous uh, bay with a beach, and Devil's Island is nice because it has the sea caves that were formed from all of the wave action over the years, and you can take your dinghy in and around the sea caves. And the, the lighthouse keeper, Docent, there is glad to see people from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> they know their island. They know it. They catalog. They know exactly how many how many of each animal are on the island. Wow. Um, and then the town of Bayfield has a very nice marina. And if you're not into the rustic anchoring and such, there's a wonderful boat, a couple different boat tours that go out. And so you can experience the islands and see them without having to do the roughed anchorage if you don't like that. Mm -hmm. And so, and then from Bay, and also in Bayfield, there's a wonderful big top Chautauqua, um, the giant tent. And it's what Chautauquas were back when they started in New York of just a variety of entertainment, mostly music oriented every night. And it, they are all top notch shows. And that picks you up right in downtown Bayfield. There's also an IGA and a liquor store in downtown Bayfield. So it's another spot that you can then provision as you're gonna make your way um, east and south. 
Right. So, that so hits all of the spots. We did that loop and back to through St. Marie in about 29 days. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, I guess from what you said, if you're just going to go as far as the painted rocks, probably allow for about a week, maybe a little less, right. it could be done right. um, to kind of replicate your trip all the way out and back to, you know, to the end of the lake, um, roughly a month, give or take. Um, and the part you did on the, the the northern shore that might be a little hardcore for some of us was about two weeks. So just some benchmarks if you have a certain amount of time that you're looking to spend. Um, but I also know that there's some navigation challenges, some having to do with weather. And of course, you mentioned already a gale that kept you in one port for three days. Um, so the best laid plans um, can often, you know, take you more days than you thought if the weather is uncooperative. So talk, talk to us a little bit about some of those challenges that you might face on Lake yeah, Superior from a navigation standpoint. Charts, exactly, the charts are very accurate. Uh, nothing has changed, you know, as far as the bottom in Lake Superior. So as far as navigation, that's not an issue. Uh, you are uh, uh, sharing the water with the Lakers and you'll see Lakers every day. Uh, and just like we do on the rivers, we talk to every one of them. We let them know what we're doing, what our intentions are. We see them on our AIS or, or radar. And if, generally, uh, with the Lakers, if I'm going to be within a few miles of them, I, I let them know what I'm doing. Uh, we did pass a Laker one time on the St. Mary's River because he was going so slow, uh, so he didn't have to anchor somewhere. He was going so slow, I just asked, can I pass you? And he gave me permission to do that. And again, uh, Mike, just sorry to interrupt you, but for those who aren't Great Lakes boaters, um, Lakers are basically the, the Great Lakes version of the commercial ships that we see in the rivers in the rest of the country. Yeah. So enormous. Um, I think Debbie said they're usually like a thousand feet. Yeah, yeah they're, they're continuously in motion. They're, I, I don't know, they're somewhere between 30 and 50 of them total. Mm -hmm. But you'll see the same ones again and again and again because they just go from place to place. So... That's really the only navigation hazard, but weather weather is the biggest one. Um, the weather forecasts tend to understate the wave heights that actually exist. And just as any other northern climate, you can get fog unexpectedly. Uh, so the modern uh, weather apps do a much better job uh, these days. Uh, we, we had between the 20 some years between the first time we went there, our sailboat and this time the trawler, we saw a huge difference in forecasting. The Canadian forecasts are way more general or more broad area than the U.S. forecasts. Uh, but they did a good job of predicting the gale that we hid from. So uh, we felt pretty good about that. And the tools uh, we carry with us is we have SSXM satellite uh, weather, which helps us a lot in these situations remotely. Uh, with our Garmin inReach, we were able to uh, get a very precise seven-day forecast uh, because the VHF forecasts don't work and there's no cellular service. Uh, we did not have satellite as we carry Starlink these days, uh, but uh, that wasn't available at the time. Mm -hmm. So you have to have the alternative communications, especially when you're up on the North Shore. Uh, so, uh, you know, using your weather skills and your weather information, that's, weather is the biggest single thing. There is only one weather buoy in all of Lake Superior, and it's sort of not even in the middle. It's a little bit to the uh, yeah, off-center. So not even the weather buoy helps you out a lot for most of uh, Lake Superior. So it's, it's, the, uh, it's, this, it's the satellite information that helps the most. And the distances you have to go to get from one 
harbor to the next, you pretty much are going to plan you're going to start in fog. Um, if you're lucky, it lifts sooner than later. It's got to pay attention to that dew point. Um, and, you know, it, we would definitely recommend that you have radar if you're going to go, just right. because the amount of fog and the distances, it's hard to wait. You know, you can't wait right. till noon to leave because now we, you're going to yeah. get in before the evening fog. Uh, right. <laughs> in, in one occasion, we were between two harbors, and we were a bright sunny day, and within minutes, we were at Fog Bank, and uh, we use our radar a lot, and we had it on, and, you know, you watch the radar, and we did head back, go past a couple of boats out there, and we radioed them and talked with them on the way by to let them know that we were where, where we were, and uh, so the radar is a, definitely a safety device. Here. The other thing to mention is water temperatures. Um, yep. We were on one podcast where the woman says, I, I swim every day. Um, remember that the water temperatures on the North Shore are probably not going to hit 50. Um, except when you're in one of the bays, the first 6 to 12 inches. So if you can keep yourself on the surface, um, if you must swim every day, um, you might be able to. The South Shore, they do get into the 50s and probably into the... 60s and some people depending on the summer will see 70s up close to shore or in a more um, in a shallower uh, bay kind of right. thing and so also think about you know on, on whether that you maybe would normally wear your life jacket you might want to rethink that because um hypothermia sets sets in at um minutes, minutes. and yeah. so if you went over you're not going to be able to help yourself even if somebody can get turned around and get to you. So definitely want to keep the life jackets on is the other thing. We don't want to scare anybody because 95, 98% of the time you're going to have, you know, your windows and that's when you'll travel, but you just, it's something to be aware of because people just aren't used to that cold water usually. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a, a different, you know, it's, it's a different style of cruising, um, you know, even on the South shore, big distances between facilities. So it's it better to be realistic about some of the challenges that you might face. So um, any final thoughts before we wrap up about this particular trip? We left out one of the, the reasons and that's the stargazing. Uh, up there, there's no light pollution. The stars, it's clear at night. The stars are just amazing, absolutely amazing with the Milky Way and its full display. So, uh, you know, the scenery, the stargazing, we talked about the wildflowers. It's just, it's just amazing scenery, the clear water. Uh, so uh, we would do it, we would do it again. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And there's just one other thing when I was going through all the stuff from my favorites and things is if you do, don't mind about checking into Canada and you have no reason you can't, um, Roberta Bonnar um, Marina it's very nice. There's a very interesting bush plane museum that talks about all the places where you have to get to by plane, but there's also the Agawa Canyon train tour. Ah, yes, I've heard of that before. Up into the mountains, into this Agawa Canyon. And again, the scenery is it's different than what you're going to see from the, the water. And it's just a really nice day trip. And if you've gone up there and you've spent a few days, then I would definitely take one more and do that and that's out of Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Ontario, which reminded me to, to mention that if you take the Canadian lock, you don't have to check in. Right. If you don't go to Canada, uh, the Canadian lock is free passage for U.S. boats. You don't have to check into Canada. You can just go keep going to the American side. Okay. Well, thank you for that overview. I think you've um, 
planted a lot of seeds for some future loopers and maybe um, given some ideas to some of the current group who might have a little bit of extra time to spend on the Great Lakes. So thank you for that. I mentioned, uh, well, I thought you were in Maine, but you're in Nova Scotia. Um, you are doing the Down East Loop though, correct? Yeah. Correct. We're yeah. about, so, about half the round. So where to uh, from where you are today? Uh, tomorrow, if the weight forecast keeps uh, with what it says, we're going to be starting on the east shore of the south side of Nova Scotia, the mainland. We've been out on uh, Breton Isle, uh, the Cape last Breton. Cape Breton Isle, the last couple of days. Uh, just beautiful up here. And uh, but now it's the rugged part. Uh, so we get about four days to four travel days to Halifax, and then five or six days around the rest of uh, Nova Scotia, and then we'll be hopping back to Maine. And so we'll do all the normal main things. You know, I we'll have to do uh, uh, um, Acadia National Forest, Mount Desert mm -hmm. Island, uh, Booth Bay, uh, Bar Harbor. And uh, we have, we're going to plan to be back up and up in New York for winter storage by the time the canals close. So October, mm -hmm. between now and October 12th, uh, we've got about 1,200 miles to cover. Yeah, well, it sounds like quite another adventure. And if anybody wants to reach out, because as you said, we are the side trip specialist. So we, we started sixteen. <laughs> we finished last year, 2022, one day mm -hmm. different from six years prior in front of the Statue of Liberty um, yeah. with just under 16,000 miles on the 6,000 mile loop. So. Amazing. Um, but yes, so uh, <laughs> I have a couple of... Um, a couple of members, a couple of boats who have done all the side trips that I call on when I have questions about places that are kind of off the beaten path. So you are absolutely on that list. Um, and thank you for sharing the details of Lake Superior. I've actually, I've really got it. I'm not sure if I'm tough enough to do the Northern Shore, <laughs> but um, it's on my list. It just sounds like a fascinating trip and, and different from what you'll see everywhere else. So Mike and Deb, thanks for sharing all that. We really appreciate your time today. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And thanks, thanks to everyone who's watched or listened today. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Great Loop Radio podcast. Until then, safe cruising.